0: turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan.
1: Welcome to the show. My guest today is Scott Manning. Scott has dedicated nearly 20 years of his career to helping dentists across North America create successful businesses based around their values and goals with a focus on transforming dental practices in order to maximize the degree to which dentists experience happiness, fulfillment, and of course, profit. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: Well, Ross, listen, it's, uh, it's my pleasure, for heaven's sake. You know, you, you inviting me is a great honor, and, and you know, financial floss is, is making a, a big impact on many people who hear it, and we happen to have some uh, clients in common and, and certainly some listeners and, and readers, too, so I'm sure happy to be here. Well, just so everyone knows, your team
1: sent me three of your books to review before our podcast Uh, The first one being how any doctor can experience dental success today. The second one being the complete guide to creating a highly profitable dental practice that you'll actually enjoy. And the last one being how to create your ideal million dollar schedule by getting more done in less time. Well, I'm going through the yellow book, how any doctor Can Experience dental success today. And I'm highlighting things left and right. This book is fantastic. And just so you know, if you're listening, you should go on Amazon and buy it or go to his website and buy it. But I just want to dive into this book and ask you questions about uh, things to comment on about uh, really how someone who owns their own practice could achieve the freedom that is possible from owning a business. I'm a big believer, and you and I talked about this offline, and I've said this no less than a dozen times, is we, there's two extremes in the dental profession. Dentists who own their own practice, but they really just own a job. It's a good job. But it's a job versus a business owner who happens to be a dentist. Do you also see that
2: those two opposite ends of the barbell, if you will? Well, you know, Ross, first of all, thank you for the nice comments. I mean, if only I could get doctors that excited about what they read. But I say, you know, anybody can read a book, take somebody to put it into action. But it's not, a, you know, I'm just trying to be of service and give people a little guide. And I think it alludes to exactly what you just brought up. Uh, there are those two extremes, and a lot of times people, doctors just don't know the difference because they see the becoming a doctor as the success. And it's often not until they, you know, they kind of run around in circles. They realize that, well, in dental school, we, we invested a lot of money and put in a lot of effort and sacrifice, but we didn't get anything about how to manage people, anything about how to manage money. Thank goodness for guys like you. And nobody does it better than Ross and help them to find leverage. And to me, that's the big difference of owning a job and owning a business is that you question the status quo. It's not enough just to do. And ultimately, a doctor it, with any level of success becomes instantly hamstrung and, and limited by their capacity of the things that you know are finite, predominantly always time, but also space. And today we would say people. People. So, you know, these are not expandable things unless we also want to r- raise the overhead. So, when you take a business, okay, and you make it, you add leverage to the business as a job, you get a business that can produce so much more in so much less time, effort, stress, people, space, everything. And to me, that's where you build the profitability. So, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's just a matter at what point in somebody's career they wake up to that. And, and, and you know, some people never do. You're so right. In dental school, you only learn the clinical side. You don't learn finances. You
1: don't learn business management. I've met people who are trying to sell a practice just because they hate managing people. And I'm like, that's just that's just not a good place to be in. But the one thing you talk about in your book is like, all right, figure out what you want and then reverse engineer it. It's so simple, but yet so complex in that no one very few people do it it's like all right i want to earn x and then and then you talk about that and many people when people start doing that the numbers don't add up in one example the book you said well how much do you want to make a day well how much do you want to make a month and you said they said a hundred thousand dollars and you're like how many days are you going to work and they said 16 days what's your average day and you're like first of all you said 16 is a little too many days don't you think (laughs) and then uh and then you said, well, like, can we do five? They like, said, can we do $5,000 a day? And you're like, well, hold on. Let's pull out our calculator. Five times 16 is 80. And we're talking about working less days. We've got to reverse engineer it. In. And oh, by the way, you're going to have no shows. You're going to have people who miss the appointment. You got to build that into that as well. So it's this reverse engineering thing is so critical. Could you speak to that?
2: Yeah. You know, thanks so much, for for bringing it up because, you know, for, for you and I, this instantly where our mind goes we think about a result or an outcome that we desire and then we orchestrate a plan backwards and most people and, and you know and i have good news for our doctors cuz it's not hard once they they flip the switch and most people they're just trying to be a little bit better you know or they're constantly putting out fires they're constantly being reactive to things And they just haven't given themselves permission to dream. It really links back to your very first statement. And to me, reversing your just common sense and and to borrow from the great Stephen Covey is begin with the end of mind. It can't just be about activity, not accomplishment. And it's a frustrating thing for me because doctors want to know why they stay stuck. And it's because they're trying to just outwork the problems instead of engineer the practice to to really win a game that's, by the way, motivating to them that they find the fulfillment in, which you read off some of my little buzzwords there. So and you think, like Ross, it's hard to... People want to pigeonhole, you know, people like us, like I'm a consultant, you're a financial person. Like, you know, What the hell does that mean? You know, we do so much more complex things. When you look at somebody long term wealth planning or managing cash flow, you're going to do it on accident or on purpose. And if you're going to do it on purpose, you got to look for the end. Same with me. And we even break it down to how profitable do you want to be? What do you really need to make your life work in terms of savings and vacation and bucket list and lifestyle? And then, by the way, the the crazy one of the money the government's going to steal from you. So most people, all they're doing is running up their overhead and hoping at the end of the month, there's a little extra money. And instead, they should know exactly what their hourly value needs to be, their daily value needs to be to make the ultimate end game possible it's so true i mean i see
1: in the personal world i've asked somebody what's it cost what's your burn rate what's it cost you live every month and most people don't know and so it's funny what you just said i have it on page 63 we need to know we need to know what number makes your life work and so on the previous page i'm gonna bounce around here because of the, the book here but you say this and this is really big this is really important it's like how much money do you want to make and you know people almost feel like they're almost ashamed of wanting to make money. Your quote from Zig Ziglar here says, show me a person who says they don't want to make a lot of money. I'll show you a person that'll lie about other things too. But the belief and the pride in the craft and the service of dentistry, when you're talking about here, they can never be paid enough for what they do. And, you know, and like you said, they should get a royalty from their patients every time that, that they smile. And and one thing that I tell people is the purpose of owning a business is to create wealth. You wouldn't put up with the crap you have to put up with in a business if it didn't. If you didn't make more money, and you say right here, maximize your money. That's the point of owning a business. And and you talk about the schedule being the bank account. Could you speak
2: to that a little bit? Yeah, you know, we're still on the same wavelength. In, in preparing for today and studying, you know, you Ross, it. I wrote down what's the point if not to get money out of the business and put it into motion in other things. And that's a whole nother form of leverage. We call it literally the money business. You're the master and expert at that. So when you, when you say scheduled bank account, you know, you're really linking. We won't tell our wonderful doctors listening to this, but the books are all the same, you know, like it's a different topic, but it could have gone a different way. It's, it's about, as they have, today, everybody's bored with writing. So they invent some new letters. Like, nobody does that. You use the core foundational principles of success, and dental practices have that. One of them is that in order for money to actually flow into the bank account, it's got to flow through the schedule. And so you get this filter-like system where if you got a dysfunctional schedule, you know, you're not going to get the result you want in the bank account. Vice versa, we can predict what goes in the bank account by controlling the, the, the matrix of time, space, people, and how dentistry is delivered. Now, we take it a step farther, you'll love this, because we get prepay. So we actually get the money before the dentistry is in the schedule. But nonetheless, the analogy holds true. So and one of my great mentors used to always talk about the future bank account. And so every day in dentistry, we call that diagnosis. So we have to be putting things in the future bank account, in the scheduled bank account, ultimately to get it to the real bank account. And and by doing that, and the last thing I will say to this, that's total empowerment because it means you own the responsibility and the control of what you're going to shoot out at the back end instead of leaving it up to happenstance. I always say doctors show up and say, we had a good month or we had a bad month. We just don't know why. Well, with my approach, very easy to understand, and actually prevent anything that you don't want to happen from existing because we're taking control you know in regards to the schedule i'm going to come back here
1: to to what you said on, on this next page but you know if you ask someone 10 years ago how are you doing they would say fine now if you ask someone today how are you doing they say busy now I don't think many people are actually that busy. I don't, I just think most people can't manage their time or we're just distracted out of our wazoos because we're letting our phones ding ring and and run our life. And what you say here is, but it's not just in everyday life. I mean, I've got five kids, all of them do activities. So I know kind of what a full schedule is. And so maybe I'm a little judgmental towards people in regards to that, but you know, what you say here is you say, we don't want you to be busy. We want you to be productive. Activity is not accomplishment. Talk about that.
2: You know, thank you so much. First of all, congratulations on such an amazing family. You know, it's what life's all about, huh? You know, I, I really, I would even take it a step further because I know this this will tug at your heartstrings. And so really the book should have continued on, but you have another one that does That says not just busy, but productive, but not just productive, but profitable. Because in dentistry, there's this terrible misnomer that you can just run up the number of patients, run up the dollars per day, but not with the focus on the net. And I can show you people doing 5, 10, 15, 20, 25,000, and and the, the big number can be way different, but the net number can be very comparable. And so when you talk about it, why would somebody want to? To do, uh, you know, be, be twice as productive for half as much money and that we won't get to evil insurance. Uh, I don't know if that's our topic today, but that's one. <laughs> <of> the- <laughs>
1: yeah. It's funny. I want to ask you about that.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I know I you know, a long winding road answer. So just to your point, this busyness is a disease. We first thing we say to our practices is you, you absolutely must stop forevermore considering a full schedule, a good day. Because it's the wrong metric. I'd rather have one patient, have nothing else to do the rest of the day, and do a lot of dentistry. And there's people out there that judge by quantity. And I always tell people, that we can get you a lot of patients. But if all you want is a lot of patients, you're coming to the wrong place. If you want a lot of meaningful dentistry, on the other hand, then bada bing, bada bang. The the right doctors that are what we would consider like the high-level dentists, everybody's dream is as few patients as possible doing as much dentistry as they need and that's something special so you talk about these
1: anchor appointments in the morning and getting ahead of the schedule so talk about that because that to me that's brilliant so like a big case early and versus cleanings and fillings so talk about that
2: Well, look, I mean, you, you, you really, I, I'm a very simple man. I mean, it's, this is not a complicated thing. I would say that none of it's rocket science, you know. So when you think about anchor appointment is exactly that. It's starting the day with the meat and potatoes, the biggest substance you can get. And ideally having the, the longer appointment, doing more things, which reduces the stress of the day because the stress is in the transition, the room turnover. It's in the patient's in and out. And so we, we, we hedge a day okay, to where we're past the goal. We want to achieve the production in the morning or two-thirds of the day accomplish 100% of the goal so that you can leave real-time room for, I don't like to say room for error, but real-time cushion for you know opportunity and for the reality that there's going to be emergencies. There's going to be some days that are not perfect. So if you're anchoring the day, then you're, you know, you're just one step ahead or maybe many steps ahead of what's necessary. And I will tell you something else. I know you and I both believe time is of the essence and life's short. Obviously, life is too short to move slowly. Well, here's the deal. You can't get a day back. So you got to leave it all in the field. So the the best way to do that is to wake up in the morning, walk into the practice, morning huddle, but then hit the ground running and throw down an amazing anchor appointment and, and reduce the pressure of the day get to where you don't run out of day before you hit the, hit the goals.
1: Now you say something else here, it's going to tie into the insurance thing here in a second that I love. You say, screw revenue. Let's focus on profits. And I think revenue is the easier number, almost maybe the lazier number and revenue. And then profits, you actually got to do a little work digging down into it. It's like, Oh, how much money did I actually make? Cause it's easy to say I made top line revenue of X, but like, what did you actually Bring home the profits.
2: Yeah. Well, listen. It's one of the most common questions people say. Well, so what if my accountant says, or that's the famous words, or they say my what? What's the industry standard or average percentage? I said, well, first of all, that sounds like the stupidest question because who would want to be standard or average? <laughs> okay. So I'm happy to give you those numbers as long as you promise to not want them. Okay. But at the end of the day, when you reference this. It's like if every doctor, and boy, the smart ones do, if every doctor comes to you and you just say, well, let me pull out my, my sheet of paper that lists out the formula that every dentist should want. And, and tell them they need a certain amount of dollars in the bank to be able to retire or live the life of their dreams without asking them any questions, getting to understand them, knowing how many kids they have, what their wishes and dreams are for other people. So for me, when you talk about revenue, it's just a relevant number because you don't know all the other details. So I want to focus on the number that drives their life. And by the way, that's how we can calibrate this whole you know, work-life balance, of course, is a, is a, is a joke. You know, it's, it's not accurate. People think they hear work-life balance. is like this 50-50 equilibrium. You say, you're damn right. It's 12 hours a day, right? Okay. So, but the, the, the main point of this is that if we understand the, the leverage points in the practice, we can ramp up the profitability without having to grow revenue at that same rate. And so that's where we get the whole work smarter, not harder, which is, you know, kind of my shtick and more outside the practice than inside. So let's talk about
1: insurance versus fee-for-service. And because, honest question, I'm assuming I know the answer, but do you help clients move away from insurance to more fee-for-service? Because obviously, it's more profitable on the fee-for-service side. Kind of speak to that if you don't mind.
2: Sure. Well, I always tell people, I'm not here to play doctor. I'm never going to tell you to work faster, to charge more, to get in or out of insurance, or, or how you should do your dentistry. But my job is to be a great listener and to be an architect of their, their dreams, to put together a masterpiece business plan, I call a blueprint, that we can then you know, make happen. So the the short answer is 100% yes. Most doctors in insurance want to get out or they at least want to diminish the impact insurance is having on the culture, the environment, the case acceptance, the profitability of their practice. And I'm not here to force people down a particular path because I'm the one that says and the only one by the way, in my world, you are in yours. That there's no cookie cutter or one-size-fits-all approach to success in life that's but true, also in, in dentistry so i always say if you're out of insurance why on earth would you get in if you're in insurance probably you do want to get out but there's a whole lot of things we can do regardless of the dynamic to be able to work towards profitability but ross i know you know we're just getting to know each other you're fast friends but I know neither you or I want to wake up in the morning and be at the mercy of what other people tell us we're worth. And so I'm just not going to let people tell my doctors what they should or shouldn't charge. And by the way, not let them play doctor insurance companies to tell our people what they should or shouldn't do for a patient, let That's alone a patient not having so, the.
1: it's interesting you say that because I have a couple of physician clients. One of them said that medicine is the career of diminishing returns because reimbursements are always going down. Medicare reimbursements are always reduced. And then the insurance companies just follow suit. I was talking to a guy the other day. He's like, I haven't had a raise in 10 years. He's a physician and he's probably never going to get a raise just because it's all about the insurance pants. And uh, luckily Dentistry, you, you have the option. And like you said, you know, you may be all insurance. You're not going to switch from all insurance to fee-for-service overnight. It's a process.
2: Process. So, well, well said.
1: So, anyway, uh, I did highlight some things from the Blue Book. The uh, I didn't get a chance to go all the way through it, creating a highly profitable dental practice. But there's a couple of things that are great. And so, you will max out your business ability before you max out your clinical ability. Talk about
2: that. Hmm. Well, you know, we never want to uh, discourage people from educating, you know. And but the thing is, in dentistry, doctors are fed this idea that you have to learn forever. You have to add every new technology. You have to all this stuff, and I agree that you have to continue to evolve, not what somebody tells you, but through your own life experience and wisdom. I tell every doctor that I know immediately how successful somebody will become when I know how true they are to their own clinical identity. Now, some people, that takes time. But the more they know what kind of doctor they are and what kind of doctor they are not, the more we can focus in and and truly hone the business, okay? And so the point you just made is I believe the industry is overeducated clinically, and so as a default, you know, as a the flip side of that is they're undereducated from a position of how to make their clinical skills more valuable. In other words, the business. So uh, they keep going to work on this one side that's totally limited and, and not expandable based on the, where the business is at. Okay. Now, it, the other can work too. Business can grow and you can't keep up clinically, but that's, that's like so rare. It's the whole starving artist thing. Okay, majority of doctors, they come to me aside from lifestyle, you know, literally wanting to get their life back, okay, more profitability, all of that, have fun, by the way. But the two common themes are, I'm not paid what I'm worth, and I'm not using the skills and my passions as often as I should be. And that's why you can take what we call super dentists, meaning they have a repertoire of procedures under their belt but they're still doing onesie, twosie, single units all day long and they got write-offs to insurance. And so their education is going like this. Their business at best is stagnant. They may be growing a little bit to make it more complicated. So we at least have to level this up and we have to focus in, you know, on what their, their practice vision is going to be.
1: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So uh, the next thing I highlighted was you're talking about the dentist MBA, you know, that that mythical MBA that doesn't exist, you know, at dental school. And, and you talk about the reason is because keeping you a doctor is in the best interest of all those around you. Talk about that.
2: Oh, you know, Ross, I think dentistry picked us, but I think we picked dentistry too. We're so smart, you know, and I know we're very grateful for our doctors, but boy, aren't they, aren't they lucky for us too. And it's just real simple. We're not stuck in the mold and in the dental mold. And I say this about every industry, you brought up the second most important reason to me of why I chose dentistry, which is that, you know, no regulation, they can choose how they want to practice. Uh, First one is they're entrepreneurial, at least the top, you know, 1% are super entrepreneurial, meaning that they own a business and happen to be a doctor. When it it comes to this, this other piece, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the doctor very much is uh, is limited by their own self worth and their own confidence. And I think that what until they see what's possible, they get stuck. And they fall into this rut of the industry telling them that they're never enough. Every practitioner is the customer to the industry. And there's all these powers that be. You know, we talk about corporate dentistry, which is a teeny tiny fraction of the overall industry, but yeah, it's made out to be like it's this washing tsunami over over, over the over the country. And then we talk about insurance companies because they're they got more money to lobby than the ADA themselves, but maybe they're all kind of in cahoots together. And then you have these equipment companies that if they don't sell the next bright, shiny object, well then what are they gonna do? Just fill supply trays, you know? So we constantly are being pulled, our doctors being distracted and they're led to believe that they're not enough. And the answer is another whack of a credit card, another service or software, another piece of new technology, heaven forbid, another insurance company, instead of just getting rid of all that noise and distraction coming down to their core and making the business the way they want it to be. And the last thing I will mention, my very first book was called the dental practice shift, which was about shifting the the, the soul of the practice back to the vision of the doctor, because they get out of alignment. They're listening to everybody else, by the way, patients included. And I would say, Customer service to a point, but they call them patients for a reason because they don't, they don't know the answers. So we say that the dentist breaks through their team and the doctor when they shift from being an order taker to being a leader and a guide. And that's the exact same concept of the industry is constantly trying to push the doctor down a different path, often at a total adversarial direction to what they want to go. So that's my my theory on that. That's,
1: that's so good. You say here that uh, it, it, we must make sure that we embrace the business side of dentistry so you can optimize your potential as a doctor, as a practice center. And It just it's goes back to what you're saying. You know, don't be a sheep. Think outside the box. Don't fall into status quo. You know, Try and push back against the industry because the powers in the industry are trying to put you in a box so they can just kind of do what they want to do with you. And if you do that, you're going to be in that owning a job category we were talking about in the beginning instead of being the entrepreneurial business
2: owner. You know, listen, they just have to be willing to be mavericks and renegades like you and I. They're all worried about what other people think, what the colleagues are going to say. In the meanwhile, the most successful doctor down the street, around the corner, in their town, is bucking every trend. Now, I believe those are probably all your listeners, because they they wouldn't be following Ross unless they were entrepreneurial and they had ambition. So at the end of the day, you have to believe in the impact you're making on patients, and you have to do it in style. You cannot be a martyr in, the, in this world of, of running the business. And, and I, I don't know, you, you caught this, because it's probably not in those books, but one of my life-changing moments that allowed me to go all in on dentistry, meaning I removed everything else from my life, was when I overheard a doctor saying, I just can't wait till life after dentistry. And I thought that, what, 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 what a terrible thing. To invest and sacrifice all the things in your entire life to have this career in business just to to, to be excited to be living once it's over. And so that's when I developed my dentistry and life in parallel idea and the concept of lifestyle practice. So, you know, listen, it's uh, you just if if you are willing to challenge the norm and you're willing to avoid the, the noise and the clutter and just stay true to yourself you won't have time for any of that other stuff. You'll have time for all the things that you want to have time for. And, and that's you know that's the, the big giant difference.
1: Let's shift gears here a little bit because I know in the dental industry, there are a million different marketing people that you can hire. And, and I'm sure you've got lots of uh, thoughts and opinions on marketing, which I'd love to hear. But there's a million different consultants as well. And you say here, The difference between consultants and trainers are that consultants get paid for what they know, and trainers like myself get paid for what we do. It sounds to me it's almost like the uh, the talking head on cable television or cable news versus the guy who's getting his hands dirty on the ground.
2: Well, listen, you're very kind, and that's exactly you know you said it better than me. Uh, At the end of the day. I empathize with everything our doctors, you and I, our doctors have to deal with. And in in their world, they get paid on results. They get paid on what they do, what the dentistry they deliver, not the dentistry they talk about. Now, by the way, they got to diagnose and talk about more dentistry. That's a big part of the problem, is that they they're trying to to, to make an end result with with a tiny little thing at the beginning. So they got to have a bigger a bigger pot to fish from, meaning not more patients as much as just more dentistry. It's all it's all out there. People ain't that healthy. Yeah, so, it, it, but for us. The exact same thing applies to me. I don't want to get paid to just talk. Uh, first of all, there's a limit to the, the, the value of that, no matter how great or smart somebody is or their track record. And I make no bones about the fact I want to make a lot of money. And, and as Zig says, and I, you had the quote there, the way to do that is to help other people make a lot of money first. And so I want to work with people that want to do a lot of dentistry, that want to be very successful. And so I attach myself to that outcome, so they know they have a partner in success, and that I have a vested interest in that. So, trainer, coach, advisor, whatever. I think the right person is one that wears all those hats. And and for you, you you know, I would say the same thing for people considering Ross. There's a lot of other financial solutions out there, but they're all a dime a dozen, and they're all going to sell you their solution. And as soon as somebody's trying to sell you their solution, you should run the other way because what they haven't figured out yet or not is whether it should be your solution. And so that's why I believe everything boils back down to relationships. So if somebody's going to take time to get to know you and understand you, listen to you, learn about you, then and only then could they give you advice that's warranted. And by the way, they should be able to show a track record of success of similar things of which you want to accomplish. So that's my approach. I want to be on the field, and I am, playing with my doctors every single day, not just standing on the sidelines shouting things and telling them how to do their job. And and I I believe in divide and conquer. We each do what we're best at doing, them the dentistry and me the business. That's how we put together a winning playbook. Because there's more variables than there are similarities to practices all over America. And if you don't embrace those variables, you're you're not going to put together a winning formula.
1: That's so good. What is your opinion on on marketing? Some people feel like it's the holy grail. Um, You can spend a large amount of money very quickly on marketing. And uh, these people are not paid on results. They just want to charge, swipe your credit card. Uh, if you don't get the results, uh, obviously there's good ones out there and there's ones who aren't good, but if you don't get the results, it's not on them, it's on you. So what? tell me about marketing from your perspective.
2: Well, I think that there's such a great question. Thank you so much. You know, for, first of all, in all fairness, because I'm a marketer at heart and I started in dentistry in the marketing you know, realm. So first of all, I would say that most practice, everybody hates their software, hates their marketing. They, you know, they hate their website. Like, like doctors love to, to blame, you know, and so at the end of the day, marketing people's responsibilities, get the phone to ring, get patients engaged. So these days you could say social media and all these other things. okay so, so if they do that, then you have to take over. And so a lot of people, they're just not good at that part. okay Now, what I will say about marketing, I'm a believer that if you embrace the essence of dentistry, it really boils down to patient retention and you can build an, a referral-exclusive practice. That doesn't mean you should not market. I also believe that word of mouth, yeah, I used to make a joke in my early days, and I stand by this, okay, word of mouth is not a strategy, you know, it's a hope. And so unless you're doing things to create word of mouth, it's not something to bank on. Every doctor said, well, my, all my, I get my patients from referrals. It's all word of mouth. And say, well, then, then we should do that deliberately. How about that? OK, and so there's a lot of different ways to do it. But here's what we know today. We know that even if I tell my neighbor who just moved in that they should come to see somebody, they should, I think they should do all their financial things with Ross. OK, they're still going to get their little phone out. They're still going to Google. They're still going to research. They're still going to do all this stuff. So there's a real need for, for digital offense and defense in this world today. However, any practice... That is reliant upon marketing, okay, Because they think that's the answer to their goals. It, it, it ain't gonna work. And I always say that if you can't do a great job with the patients you got, what makes you think getting more is gonna make any difference? So we always maximize the core uh, first, okay, and then marketing supplements. You know what should already be going you know, amazingly well. So let's
1: let me throw uh, what's probably the um the live grenade of questions out here for you. And uh, what's your take on the industry with DSOs and what's happening now? What's your, what's your opinion on all that?
2: You know, I had to say, cause you use grenade, which my, my grandfather, I used to always say, you know, close counts and horseshoes and hand grenades. He's, he's a World War II vet and uh, probably knows something about that. But I, I would just say, here's the deal anybody that makes any decision or loses any sleep at night or anything with a fear-based mindset, you know, we believe strongly in the law. Stop, stop, stop right there. Listeners, what he just said right
1: there, as good as everything he's been saying is what he just said right there is pure gold. Say that again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're you're very kind. You know, team uh, Ross is just a smart guy. So here's the thing. I said that any decision, action, losing sleep, whatever, based at, with a fear mindset, you're destined to, to walk yourself right into this grenade that he just talked about. So I believe we're in a position of power. We make decisions based on courage and desire and, and the belief and abundance and what I call positive expectancy. Every day I wake up, I expect everything to go my way. Now, sometimes, you know, if I have to judge it, maybe it didn't so much but it's the attitude that gives you the head start. So what I would just say about DSOs, okay, first of all, I wouldn't worry about it, okay? That's number one. Number two, that whole thing of if you can't beat them, join them, okay? what a stupid idea. Or I, I call it play a different game. I just did a recent training called a radically better way to, to do dentistry, practice dentistry. And it, and it was all about literally changing the rules of insurance, of time, of money and of people. And so you don't try to win at that game. First of all, people don't understand DSOs and how they make money because they ain't making it on dentistry. They're making it with other things, buying power and all that. It's like trying to, you know, uh, constantly suppress your overhead that's how you want to make more money. Well, you suppress your overhead so far. And all of a sudden now you can't produce because you got no supplies and people to do it with. It's all about, I say, out earn your problems, right? You're going to grow and abundantly achieve great results. Okay. So therefore, here's the good news. All DSO and corporate industry does is it lets patients like us fall back in love with the idea that was lied about long ago by the government where you actually get to pick and know your doctor. Okay. So for us, we, we thrive concierge relationships, slower paced based boutique practices every time corporate or DSO pops up or somebody else takes insurance. Yeah. Yeah. You may have to delay gratification a little bit, but all the right patients come back to you. Because people still and always will value relationship and personality. And the more there is of not that, the more you can, you can, you can have it all, okay, in, in, in your world. But if you try to play that game, you're gonna lose because you don't understand the rules of the dynamic of which they're operating under. So instead, we go back to where we began, Ross. Why not figure out what's a victory for you, reverse engineer and build a business of your dreams that you're motivated about and that, you know, you, you want to work by choice, not by necessity, but you can't imagine ever selling it or leaving it because you just love it so much.
1: And to our listeners, because we could talk about this a lot more, but we're almost out of time here. But to our listeners, Scott and I are both, if, if you build a practice the way Scott's talking about building a practice- you'd be crazy to sell your practice because you're selling the golden goose. So anyway, two last questions before I get you out of here, Scott, because I, I could talk to you for another two hours, but we don't have time. First question is, what advice would you give a brand new dental School graduate?
2: Yeah, well, thank you very much. And, you know, I, I, I'm having a lot of fun myself and you're a, you're a brilliant question asker. So uh, someday I would love to reciprocate and, and we'd love to introduce you to, to our a success uh, today universe as well. Uh, so, you know, the deal is expedite your experience. Okay. Don't let people pigeonhole you get as much exposure as you can to as many different things, including potentially practice models. Now, my real advice is that if you got any fire in your belly, a little spark in your eye, and you, you want to become more than just a doctor, there's nothing better on the planet earth than being an entrepreneur and an owner of your own business, a control of your own destiny. And every doctor, associate, or graduate, or going to be graduate or resident that I ever talk to, and they're interested in this, I always tell them, the faster you can own, the better. And it's the equivalent of compounding interest in the bank account, Ross, or investing in your future. Is money, it's time in the market, right? And so you really, the faster you do that, the better. You may want to get a year or two of life experience From scratch or or existing practice or associate with a doctor that you can transition into ownership, all have merit. I I would probably, if it were up to me, I I would pick an amazing doctor that values mentoring and that wants to leave a legacy and put their patients in good hands. And I'd go and pay my dues. And and I'd have a path to ownership uh, with a doctor that believes in all the things that Ross and I believe in. And you're going to be set up for success so incredibly well. And I'll tell you what will happen because I have the, I have the privilege of doing this with young graduates or associates coming in to, pract, to our doctor's practices. You leapfrog your future by decades. You achieve things in a few years that it took somebody decades to do uh, that many doctors never do because you put yourself in the right environment around the things that you know are valuable influence to you far greater than anything you're ever going to get in school or you ever could get in school because uh, you know it, it just, as you well know, isn't the real world. That's
1: fantastic advice. All right. So last question before I let you go. I'm a big reader. I read a lot. Um, what books do you recommend that you have not written? Because <laughs> you've written like half a dozen. Um, but what books, what have you read recently? What do you recommend for reading suggestions?
2: Well, you know, thank you so much. What a great question. You know, I, I always say, if you're if not your own best promoter, you got problems because ain't nobody else going to do it. You're doing a hell of a job, uh, you know, giving me a good good endorsement here today, and I'm grateful for that. You know, if you don't have my books or, or for whatever reason you haven't heard of me, I, I fly under the radar. You know, it's, it's by design, rest assured, because I practice what I preach and not here beating my chest or standing on the mountain of the industry telling everybody to look at me. I believe readers are leaders. So you have to go to my website and get my book for free as a gift for ross's listeners and, and financial flossing uh podcasters okay so experience dental success today is the website they told me to tell you experience dental success today the keyword is today why not why tomorrow when it should be today so you go to that experience success today.com now to answer ross's question okay i'm an oldie okay i believe in like richest man in babylon oh there you go yeah they can grow rich You know, I I believe in the the, the magic of thinking big. You know, all of the, you know, the classics, you know, the classics. There's so many more. One of my great mentors, Dan Kennedy, you've probably heard of. Any of Dan's books are fantastic. I just recently finished, as of this weekend, finished 11 Rings, the story of Phil Jackson and his winning uh, philosophy and his ability to create 11 championships, most of any. You know, whether you're into basketball or not, I, I admit I was never a, a Bulls or Lakers fan. I grew up in the Boston Celtics from Indiana. My uh, Larry Bird went to my alma mater, and, and my mom was in school when he, him and Magic played the finals. So he's kind of a good old boy and, and kind of the, the roots and and principles I believe in. Nonetheless, this book is fascinating in terms of leadership and people. It's a literal Zen-ish book. That's Phil's philosophy, uh, but of how he aligns people to work well together and overcome adversity and challenges. So that that's a recent one. You know, I don't know, hopefully that helps a little oh, bit. That's, those are great. So let's go back to how they can get in touch
1: with you. If someone is intrigued by what you said today, and they all should be, What's the website to go to 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 get your free book, to contact you, to see where you're speaking or to be a part of your groups?
2: Well, it's very kind. So, you know, we we do everything the the old fashioned way. So we're happy to extend the invitation for the complimentary book. Uh, It's our way of serving. I'm happy to serve. You know, all a couple hundred thousand doctors out there. but I'm only looking to work with, you know, the most ambitious of them all. So uh, experience Dental Success Today. That's all together one big long website. We don't believe in doing anything easy, I guess. ExperiencedDentalSuccessToday.com. And you can find that. Now, you can Google me. You can go to DentalSuccessToday.com, all the things we don't sell the books. Uh, we do gift them. It's a, a thing that we do. And then if it warrants, if you find anything in there that resonates, uh, like, like Ross has been so complimentary of today, then happy to have a conversation and talk about your goals and your practice and, you know, uh, the, the difference between where you want your future to be and where you are today and see what we can do together.
1: Well, Scott, this has been an absolutely uh, phenomenal conversation. I really appreciate your time here today.
2: It's my pleasure and, and certainly a privilege, and I just want to thank you for all you're doing, for every, all your clients, but certainly for the dental industry and changing doctors' mindsets about, uh, about money and investing in cash flow and how they really build wealth, because they get caught up in doing and not enough in, in leveraging outside of the practice, and they're just uh, they're lucky to have a mentor and a, and a person who provides such great service and advice as you do. So uh, thank you very much for having me and all the smart doctors for being here listening. Thanks. I appreciate that so much. You've
1: been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannon. Tune in next week for our next episode.
0: This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross
3: Brannon, visit rossbrannon.com. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities, Products, and Advisory Services offered through PAS, Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. 2021-119535. 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535, expiration April 2023.
4: This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. External sites and material are provided for your convenience in locating related information and services. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain, control, recommend, or endorse third-party sites, organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311 850 9075 Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary, PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License number 16139032. California Insurance License number 0L10073. 2022 Expiration 0424.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.